0: It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN.
1: Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show and welcome to the month of May. This is Charlie Potter, your host here on the Great Outdoors Show on WGN. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I have a great show this morning. I have on, as my guest, Kerry Luft, who you've heard many times. Kerry is with the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation and has helped lead conservation efforts on a variety of scales uh, in recent years. Uh, across the country. And this morning, Kerry, thanks for joining us first of all. And I wanted to start with this discussion I had a few weeks ago, Carrie, that uh, received quite a bit of of comment. Uh and I I don't say that in a self you know promotion way, but but that it did. And that was the discussion of how are we going to get more hunters and and are we going to get more hunters? And is having more hunters really the the ultimate goal if we want to save the future of hunting and fishing, or there's some other things at work? And one of the comments that I heard, and I heard it from you as well, is you didn't talk about time. You talked about opportunity. You talked about quality of habitat. You talked about the experience. But you didn't talk about time. So welcome, Carrie, and we have time this morning to talk about time. <laughs>
0: About 23 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Charlie. I appreciate uh, the invitation as always. Um, Well, I I heard your show, of course, and you and I over the years have had many, many discussions about the future of hunting. And while we're rightfully celebrating the growth in both hunting and fishing uh, during the pandemic, um, you know, if, if, if that may be one of the only things good that has come out of the pandemic. I think we're missing a lot. One, in the discussion, I think we're missing the uh, one facet that we have to acknowledge. Quality hunting and fishing take time. And the pandemic, for many of us, gave us more time uh, because many of the things we enjoy or are committed to doing were canceled. You know, my, my kids didn't have uh, sports events. They didn't have plays. Um, time that I normally would spend uh, maybe on an airplane, I had free. And while I didn't get to go to my favorite haunts in uh, Canada or Mexico last year, I did an awful lot of hunting around, uh, around Illinois. And that's because I had the opportunity to do so. We are an extraordinarily busy and impatient people, Charlie. And and as we ramp back up, I'm already seeing some signs that the the participation in some of the outdoor sports that you and I love so much is starting to dwindle as people have both more options and more commitments. So that is something that uh, I think we have to consider as we move forward. Our pursuits take time, and they take patience, and they take opportunity. And if we are in a society that doesn't allow you to sit in a marsh from half an hour, from an hour before sunup till say noon, how much quality uh, waterfowling experiences are you going to have? So it's just a thought. I don't have any profound ideas of how we fix this, except maybe we should reconsider and take a few more deep breaths before we schedule ourselves so heavily. Oh, well, wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: You know, I thought during the pandemic and uh, every, all of you listening, we all have our own feelings about it. Um, And of course, we're not out of the woods yet, but we, it appears as though we are headed that way. Um, You know, one of the things, Carrie, that as you know, I spent some time in the West uh, to get out of Chicago where I, where I was able to. And one of the things was the clarity of the air. And I, you, all across the world, people were commenting on they could see things they had never been able to see. And in my case, I was sitting in, in a mountains, that I, mountains that were 50 miles away that I actually had never seen before, and they were, they were clear as day. And so that comes back to this whole thing of time we We during the pandemic, we had time, and because we're accustomed to being busy, we actually we found some things to keep us busy. We reconnected with the outdoors and 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 I think this is a subject, and all of you listening i'm sure you have your own views on it but i, I fear this is reconnect, this reconnection is fleeting, as you said uh Johnny and Susie go back to soccer camp or start playing soccer. You start getting on airplanes and traveling. Business moves again. And that time that you had last year to go fishing for the first time in years or to go hunting, whatever, to do those two activities, both of which grew by, you know, over 15% last year. Granted, Carrie, we have to also recognize they were up 15% from the year before, which has been part of a long-term decline. So it's not as though we even came close to the levels of 25 years
0: ago. Well, and, Charlie, this is probably another show, and I would welcome the opportunity to talk about this. I don't even know how accurate the numbers we have are. You know, I mean, uh, for example, uh, you measure hunting by license sales. Well, what about the people who have lifetime licenses? Do they get counted every year? Probably not. So I mean that's, I, I don't think there's much doubt that hunting and, uh, that hunting in particular has been on the decline, but you know let's let's recognize that hunting as an experience requires time. There are not very many people anymore who can go hunting by opening the back door and starting to walk with the dog at his or her side. Um, and be back before breakfast. You know, you and I, you and I hunt a lot, Charlie. Uh, at, at a minimum, it's a half day affair. And that, in, in our world, that's really hard. And if you have kids, triple it. I mean, you, your kids are older than mine, Charlie, but uh, how many times have you said, boy, I'd like to get my child into this outdoor activity only to see that there's a track meet, a school play, a, um, a guitar lesson, you know. And, yes, we can prioritize certain things, but it's just not, you know, it's very, very difficult. Well, I have, to, I have to digress for just a second,
1: Kerry, uh, because my son at an early age thought he liked ice hockey. As you may recall, I played quite mm-hmm. a bit of hockey, and not that I was any good, but I played all through college and loved it, and it's been my lifetime sport. And my son thought this would be great to do. And, of course, I thought the most important thing for my son to do was to spend time with his father doing the things that I loved, hunting and fishing. So he is uh, at an early age, you know, his ankles are on the ice, and the coach says to me, you know, this, kid, this kid's got real promise. And I said to the coach, when is the last time a guy on, who you coached ended up in the NHL? He looked at <laughs> me, and he, and he said, well, never. I said, precisely my point and my son won't be the first on saturday mornings <laughs> when when you are calling hockey practice he's going to be in a duck blind with me or we're going to be fishing so just so you understand that's what's going to happen <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's what happened and you know i look back my son's an adult now uh, i'm so glad i did that and he didn't play travel hockey And, and many of you parents listening right now, I'm sure are just cringing, Carrie, right? With travel hockey, travel soccer, all these things. And, and it comes back to what you just said, time. I made a fundamental choice for my son when he was four years old that I didn't think he was going to play in the NHL and that he would maybe enjoy a few mornings with his father out in the marsh. Um, most parents don't make that choice because their kids are, they're too locked in.
0: And I would offer, too, you made that choice when your son was four. When the child is 10 and they've already fallen in love with hockey, uh, it gets harder.
1: Well, and and so it's just part of your coming back. I think, Carrie, you have, and we're going to take a break here in a second. It's time. We have the interest. We know we have the interest. The pandemic proved once again we have the interest we may not have the places to go we certainly don't have the nearby places if you're living near any city as you just said you're not getting in your car and going to hunt pheasants and, and, and be back at the office by 10 o'clock in the morning that's not happening and 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 our whole culture may not understand this the people making the decisions as to how we spend money to try to enhance the heritage and numbers of hunting people like they may not really understand all the social dynamics, and not that you and I are smarter, but um, it's a lot more complicated, I think, than it it just appears.
0: Absolutely. And the last point I'll make is if you do carve out that time and we haven't done our work as conservationists to ensure adequate populations and and habitat, you're not going to have a quality experience. So, what is going to be your priority for getting back? And so, I often wonder, and
1: we're going to break here, Carrie. We talk about opportunity and access. If the quality of the experience isn't any good, it doesn't matter how much access you have. Let's take a break, Carrie. We're visiting with Carrie Lofton. Of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation and a, and a truly thoughtful individual on the future of conservation in America. You're listening to Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime and great sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers.
2: In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them, and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space in the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the big fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running.
0: It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the
1: Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and I hope you're enjoying the show I'm having with Carrie Luft, and if you're just joining us, well, you can podcast the show uh, after it's over here and hear what Kerry had to say about time, time to do the things we love. And, uh, Kerry, I will have to tell you that my son's probably going to kill me for having told that story <laughs>
0: about how I that took know
1: at age, age four. You know he was pulled him not out to... of the NHL? that I pulled him out of the NHL. <laughs> so, Kerry, but that is, you know, just to just refresh for one second there. We make choices for our kids at early ages, and the pressures of society have changed. When I was growing up, it was very normal for a group of us to grab a dog and go pheasant hunting. Uh, I, I don't know any kids that do that anymore. So, well, Kerry, let's, let's switch. Conservation Reserve Program is in the news again. And for those of you joining us, Carrie Luft has been at the core of some successes in pulling together groups uh, at the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation to work through how we can improve agricultural policy to benefit conservation. You've been quite close to this. And in the news the other day was that the CRP program, which is Conservation Reserve Program, has been no doubt the most successful conservation program ever, that maybe it's going to get some new life breathe into it. Do you want to just comment on that for
0: a minute? Yeah. Um, you know, let's, We probably should back up a second, Charlie, and say that the Conservation Reserve Program is one of the, if not the most important, uh, agricultural uh, conservation programs there are. It's about 30 years old, a little more than 30 years old. It pays farmers to take marginal cropland out of production and enroll them into long-term contracts in which they get payments to convert the farmland, uh, to let the farmland rever- uh, go fallow. This has been behind, uh, the 19, late 1980s. We saw really great explosions in pheasants, other upland birds. CRP benefits ducks. It benefits pollinators. It, it's a wonderful program. But over the years, um, the enrollment has shrunk and there, there have been a lot of reasons for that. Um, and in the last week or so, the agriculture department has put in several changes that should help boost the enrollment, and will uh, hopefully get to, get us closer to the cap, which currently sits at 25 million acres, and we're only got about 20 million enrolled. Um, that shows how uh, interest in this program declines as market conditions um, fluctuate.
1: So, it it is heralded with having reversed uh, decades of habitat loss. Help! Uh-huh. It was you know originally it was called the Conservation Reserve Program, but it was also called CRP, uh, yeah. CPR rather, for, for <laughs> because it came in. It, it came in at a time when agriculture was in tough shape. So, Kerry, we hear a lot about. I'm visiting with Kerry Luff of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. We hear a lot about. Why do we rent this land? It it could be permanently purchased. If conservation reserve programs have been in business almost 40 years, that land could have been bought several times over, and people make that case instead of an annual
0: rental payment. Just want to address that. We got about two minutes left. Well, for the land to be purchased, it has to be for sale, Charlie. And if it's not, then you only have the uh, option of eminent domain to take it over. And I don't think anybody is going to be turning cartwheels over the. The prospect of land being uh, privately held land being condemned by the federal government um, or uh, bought by the federal government against the landowner's wishes um, and so that it, it's really not practical if the farmer owns a piece of land he wants to retain the option to put it into crops when the market conditions warrant it and in fact, one of the vulnerabilities of CRP has been that for the most part these rental agreements, as you described them are for 10 or 15 years and many many farmers don't want to commit to that long of a program. They want to have a shorter term where they can adjust to uh, the the market for crops and they want their flexibility and they're businessmen too and I think we should respect that ability to the extent we can.
1: And I just want to be absolutely clear for all of you listening, I do not advocate and never have. <laughs> Taking away the ability of individual landowners, of which I'm one, to make the decisions that are best. I'm not a fan at all of eminent domain. And if that, if that appeared that way, uh, just a moment ago with the way I phrased that question, Carrie, I want to be very clear to all of you. You know, you know where I stand. And Carrie, the the key is to make conservation reserve program work. Uh, and, and hopefully it can. So let's visit further on this. It's going to, it's going to evolve in the coming, actually probably coming months. Uh, But it does appear, I guess I'll ask this openly to you, but does it appear that we're moving in the right direction again with giving landowners increased latitude to be able to participate?
0: Absolutely. And the last Farm Bill in 2018 had a pilot program that uh, I'm proud to say Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation had a role in shaping that gives a lot more flexibility to landowners when they enroll in CRP. I sure hope that expands and keeps going.
1: Well, thanks for being with us today. Carrie Luck of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. And you have been listening to Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.